Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. My name is Helen Dallimore, and you're listening to Eleven, the official theatre podcast. Hello and welcome to Eleven, the official theatre podcast that brings the biggest stars and creatives together in one place to discuss life in the arts. She's the first lady of theatre in Oz that's become quite the name when it comes to their top tier acting. The actor, singer and director made history as the first person to star as Glinda in the original West End production of Wicked, alongside Tony winner and OG Greenwich Adina Menzel. It's a role that saw her bow before royalty at the Raw Variety Show during a UK television debut performance of Defying Gravity. Not done with one of the most iconic and camp roles in theatre, she headed up the first ever Australian production of Legally Blonde as the hilarious Paulette, alongside Wicked Australia's first ever Glinda, Lucy Durack. She's also appeared on screen, television, on stage in Spring Awakening, and is, hopefully, all being well in the era of post-Covid, as mum Margaret knew in the debut Australian viewing of Everybody's Talking About Jamie, belting out He's My Boy, scheduled for the Sydney Opera House and later a tour. She also played Miss Adelaide in Guys and Dolls, Judy Garland in End of the Rainbow, and created the role of Simone in Up for Grabs, a role later played by Madonna in The West End. So it's easy to see how she's become one of the most prominent figures in Australian theatre. So let's go direct to Australia to talk Glinda, Adina Menzel, British accents, living in London, being an actress above everything else, the pressures of originating signature roles, and her overflowing hope that she will soon get to star in that production of Everybody's Talking About Jamie. It's the fabulous Helen Dallimore on this, the next episode of Eleven, the official theatre podcast. Just to let you know, due to the COVID-19 global pandemic, Helen and I connected digitally on opposite sides of the world, so please forgive any brief moments while we wait for the internet to catch up. Enjoy. We're going to go all the way to Oz now for the latest episode of Eleven and speak to an amazing, amazing theatre star who I'm very fortunate to have on the podcast today. Please help me welcome Helen Dallimore. Hello, Helen. How are you? Hello. I'm very well, thank you. It's so nice to see you. We've been trying to hook up for a long time now and I'm so glad we finally found the time and opportunity to do this. So thank you so much in advance of being on Eleven. We are, we should say, on opposite sides of the world. So there is an ever so slight delay. So I'm going to apologise in advance to the listeners, but also yourself if I talk over you. I, I promise you it's certainly nothing personal, but we've got so many things to talk about and to jump into. So I guess before we talk about this career that you've had, which is incredibly impressive, and I know that you've got some exciting projects coming up, I just want to talk about theatre generally at the moment. So perhaps for people like myself that feel like they're locked in a little bit of a UK-centric bubble. Talk to me about, I guess, where you're at in terms of the COVID-19 crisis, specifically referencing theatre. So I guess theatre shows, I'm right in saying, have sort of been happening, but there are a few changes as and when sort of public health requires. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's been the, the worst year any of us have ever known. I mean, actors are, are used to being out of work, but when everyone's out of work and there's no work at all, it's, it's really grim. I, I was supposed to be doing... Everybody's talking about Jamie um, playing the mum in the Australian tour of that that show, um, Australian premiere of that show, and that was cancelled right sort of in the height of, of COVID. Was when we were supposed to be 
kicking it off here in Sydney. So uh, that was cancelled and that would have been, you know, a year's worth of work for me. I think, you know, we're, we're lucky because we're a, a tiny population in a very large expanse of, of continent and uh, we're a long way away from everything else. It's much easier for us to manage. Um, and things have started going back. We, we had a, a production of Pippin, which is um, still running. Uh, and Frozen opened. It's 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 uh, suspended now, I think, for a little while. And Shrek. Um, so things are starting to come back. But we had a, an outbreak in the northern beaches of Sydney a few weeks ago, just before Christmas. And that uh, everyone sort of jumps on it. When 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 we have a little sort of cluster like that, then we go into lockdown, and that affects audiences, obviously. So all the people that might come from there, um, obviously don't go to the theatre and so then you have empty seats and it's really impossible for producers to to run at such losses um but you know the vaccine is on the horizon uh, i know you guys have have rolled it out over there and we've got we've got it coming here and it'll probably take a long time to get around to everybody but it does mean that you know it feels like there's light at the end of the tunnel you know yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned um, some theatres opening and obviously the response to the pandemic as and when it's required. Have you guys been performing, I guess, in sort of similar fashion to us here with socially distanced audiences or has that not been a thing where you are? Some, Yeah, I, I think some of the, the bigger theatres have been operating at about 75% capacity and audiences in masks. Uh, I did a show in a really small theatre in, in Parramatta, a sort of um, Australian musical just a four-hander uh, and it was perfect COVID show because it was um, four people delivering soliloquies really sort of sung soliloquies there were no scenes so it, it worked really well for COVID we had a set where there were sort of four separate rooms and the audience like we didn't sell the first few rows because I think you have to have four meters between a singer and the audience or four meters singing distance <laughs> speaking distance I guess um, <laughs> depends on how plosive a singer you are. Um, and that, that worked really well, but yeah, everybody's sitting in the theater in masks. It's, it's crazy. And, you know, sort of muscled laughs or. <laughs> I can imagine it is quite strange for an audience. It's a new world. Um, but also for actors on the stage to look out to just lots of, lots of, well, material, essentially, it must be a bit like you miss the smiles in a way. Yeah. It's really strange. And my, my first audition that I did after we came out of lockdown. We might, we might have still been in lockdown, actually. Uh, and I, it was sort of almost a year since I'd auditioned for anything. And I was kind of really out of form because I hadn't done it for so long. But also the whole panel were in masks and it really threw me. I, I sort of, I went out there to, and all, all the things that I knew to be true <laughs> were no longer true. Like, it was just strange because there, there was, you know, it was you can't see if someone's smiling or receiving a performance and it's very odd. One of the little pockets and things that I think we are as audience members and theatre makers keeping safe and very sacred is the fact that theatre can continue in some way and you guys in Australia are very much talked about here in the UK because you are not only just getting the virus under control but you are persevering with theatre in a safe way and it feels like you guys really are leading the charge. Does it feel safe for you when you have been in a theatre? Yeah, it feels really safe, actually. I mean, with everyone in masks and everyone keeping their distance, um, 
it, it feels fine to me. And honestly, our cases are so low. We have so little community transmission that um, I, I think we might feel differently if, if the numbers were higher and, and you had a higher chance of getting it. But I think we feel, I feel fine on stage and in the audience. And I, I think we just all have a, a newfound appreciation for, for being in a theatre. I, I know that the, the, the few times that I've been in the audience, I've just relished it so much more because I've missed it so terribly. And communing, you know, I mean, what, what this virus has done is it's, it's taken that thing away from us that makes us human beings, which is to commune with one another and, and, and have ceremony and, and share. And, you know, and theatre is, that's what theatre is. And, and I think we've all really missed that. And it's, I just, I remember feeling quite misty eyed the first time I sat in an audience after, you know, almost a year. Absolutely, 100%. You are so right when you say about not just the enjoyment of theatre, but the need for theatre as well, and the arts in particular. We've all spent so much time in lockdown, you know, watching television programmes and we've been watching box sets. I mean, I never want to see a box set again in my life. I've watched so many of them. But getting <laughs> but getting that sort of, that instant, constant, and, you know, very much needed connection to the arts just shows how important it all is. And I love the sense of positivity that you have, how you know, things can happen as we look to Australia and, and you know, people on your side of the world that things can go back to normal as much as possible. I'm, I'm not quite sure we'll ever get back to the sense of normal we once knew for a while, but it's exciting that things are being planned. It's exciting that things are happening. And you mentioned it there, so I'd love to talk about a show that's actually very dear to my heart and also people in the UK. And that is Everybody's Talking About Jamie because it was a show that you were scheduled to do. It obviously started in Sheffield. I was lucky enough to see the very, very first pre 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 West End production and it's I mean I don't know how much you know about that show in terms of research or if you've had the opportunity to watch perhaps the cinema recording but I know you probably know it very well and it's I mean let's be honest it's just a bloody good show. Tom McRae who, who wrote the book is actually an old friend of mine um, I met him in uh, in Wicked Days in London he's um, a friend of a friend so uh, it was kind of delicious to be able to tell him that I was going to be to be in it and look I'm really hoping that it will get back up again. Um, I'm sure the producers are, are keen to um, to put it on as soon as we can. It's just, um, you know, I'm sure it's only a matter of time. But I, I love the show. It's it's a brilliant show. It's um, just got it's just heartwarming and it's fun and it's got something to say and it's charming and inclusive and you know everything you want. And I don't really feel like there's been a show like it. I know there's been um, sort of American versions of productions like Kinky Boots and obviously Priscilla, but um, I feel like Jamie sits in a bracket all of his own, which I imagine for you as an actress and as a singer must be quite exciting that you get not only to originate a role in your country, but also get to put your stamp on something very fresh. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I love to be the first. <laughs> um, and she's such an amazing... <laughs> She's such an amazing character and, you know, let's face it, she's got one of the best songs <laughs> written. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> ever written for the musical theatre stage. So I'm, I'm really look, looking forward to um, smashing that out when I get a chance. <laughs> are, you not, are you not a little bit terrified, though? Because, I mean, not that I want to add any more pressure to a role that I know you're obviously very excited about playing, but that song is huge and you absolutely have the vocals for it. But I mean, the emotional side of it, the fact people love it, it sits at the perfect point in the show. I mean, you really are sort of, you are sort of going to steal the show. 
Well, I probably won't steal the show from the, the gorgeous young man who's who's being cast as Jamie, uh, James Medjus. And if we get it up again, then I hope that, that James will be doing it. Uh, and he's just an absolute heartbreaker. But um, yes, I was terrified to audition because I, I had to audition with that number, obviously. And I first heard it, I thought, shit. <laughs> okay, pressure's on. <laughs> but, you know, I sung it enough times through the audition process that I now feel that, you know, if I can win the role with it, then I should be able to win over the audience. In, in terms of, I guess, looking at some of the other women that have played that role, do you, are you the sort of person that will look at what they've done and try and do it similarly? Or are you trying to the sort of same person that would look at it and try and do it different? different? I guess, how do you approach taking on something that people might have come in contact with before? Well, I mean, I, I'm an actor first. So I, I really do approach things from, uh, where I would where I would start. I, I, I will look at other people's performances, but I, I think you know emulating somebody else is is not as fun as as trying to find where that character might sit in in terms of your range, your own range. So um, you know I I wouldn't want to reinvent the wheel because obviously she's written a certain way. It'll certainly be my my version of her. In terms of accents, the show is a very specific Sheffield accent, somewhere that I've actually lived, and I know it's a very difficult accent to to do. We know you can do a lovely right. English accent. <laughs> are you are you going big? Are you going for the Sheffield accent? And and how are you getting on? Uh, yeah, we're all doing the Sheffield. Well, I, I did it in the audition, and I, I did a fair bit of work on it for that. And and when if and when it gets up again, I'll be I'll be working really hard to make sure that's as as good as it can be. I'm a bit out of practice now, so don't ask me to do it. <laughs> <laughs> you were like, don't even try it. It's it's a good accent. I will say that. It's a good accent, but it's a tough accent. Don't so. even do <laughs> I love that. I love that. Well, well credit- luckily, though, I won't have too many people from Sheffield actually here to watch it. <laughs> well, I, I I think you're probably right in some sense, but those Jamie fans are hardcore. You, I think you've experienced hardcore fans with Wicked and Legally Blonde. <laughs> They'll be on that plane quicker than you realise. So I'd be, be ready for, I mean, I was going to say notes. You won't need notes, but be ready for some comments. Some lovely thick Sheffield accents coming for you. I know. All the, um, the fan pages have already friended me on Instagram. <laughs> Those people are very protective of that show. And, and I don't know if you'll get the opportunity, I'm sure you will, to meet um, Jamie Campbell, the person who the show is originated on and about. But um, him and his mum are two of the nicest people I've ever had the pleasure of interviewing and the story itself is is wonderful and I'm so I'm so glad that it's getting the opportunity to travel the world from a little show that I reference you know starting in Sheffield to this huge West End hit uh, touring the UK I know it's been in Asia and now to Australia it's a wonderful show so fingers crossed and, and good luck to you with that role you are going to be amazing thank you thank you and a movie soon too right with the Richard E. Grant. I mean, the success of the show is is huge and, and the film is exciting. So it just means even more people are going to come and see you in the show. Exactly. <laughs> Amazing. Let's talk about um, a show that I love talking about. And uh, some of my friends actually got the opportunity to come and see you in. And they kept talking about this this lady that played Paulette. And I said, I, I know who that lady is. You don't need to explain to me the talent of her. And that is Legally Blonde. I mean, signature role again, <laughs> another role that we all know. I mean, you don't do yourself, you know, you don't make easy roles for yourself by playing these parts that we all love. And by the sounds of it, you did such a fantastic job. Was it exciting <laughs> to get to play? I think it's fair in saying one of the most signature and iconic roles in movies. I mean, everybody knows that role, right? Yes. And 
I'm a huge fan of the movie too um, and a huge fan of her. But, yeah, I mean, it's its, its own thing. It's, its She's, you know, the, the, the musical is so different from the film in, in a lot of ways and, you know, it was, uh, in such a dream role. She's, she's so funny and she's got such a, a beautiful heart and... <laughs> Again, a difficult accent, the Boston accent. So um, that, that's always fun, <laughs> nailing that one. How much rehearsals did you have to do to perfect your bend and snap? Were you pretty good at it to start or was that a new skill that you acquired for this show? Yeah, the bend was okay. It was more of the, the snap was a bit more of a challenge. <laughs> I mean, I've been bending for years, let's face it. Were you a big fan of pink beforehand? Because it's, I mean, there's no escaping pink during that show. I mean, it's fair to say that you know, you sort of have to succumb to the world of Paula and Elle. I mean, are you now sort of pleased on your rider? Does it say, please, no mention or use of the colour pink now? Like, I'm sort of over it. <laughs> no, actually, I love pink. I've always loved it. Well, I was a goth when I was a teenager and into my early 20s. Um, so I missed the whole girly pink phase because all I wore was black for about 10 years. And, and then I, I had a late blooming with pink. You also got to reunite with somebody that I know has played a role that you've also played, and that's Lucy Durack, who was Elle. So it's sort of like a Glinda reunion from opposite sides of the world. What was it like getting to work with her? Because I know that you guys are <laughs> friends outside of work as well. Well, yeah, I mean, we, we became good friends um, doing that show together. We knew each other before that, but we became very close doing that show because obviously those those two characters are are so close and we... And we did that show for well, probably about a year. We did it all over Australia. And and she's just the most, honestly, no one will argue with me if I say she's the nicest woman in this Australian showbiz. She's the, just the sweetest, most lovely girl. And um, it was, we just, we had such fun together. And, um, you know, I, I now count her as one of my, my dearest friends. So, yeah, she's a proper Glinda. Like she's got, <laughs> she's got the goodness. <laughs> inside of her <laughs> I'm the kind of evil Glinda that just wants all the <laughs> attention for herself <laughs> me too is that bad to is that bad to say should we say that I don't know maybe maybe that makes no. me look bad but yeah <laughs> I think self-knowledge is a wonderful thing but to be fair I always think with with Wicked and and you know people say like oh who would you rather play I'd always rather play Glinda like I've very, very little interest in Elphaba, minus, minus the ability to be able to say I can belt that high. I've, I, w I mean, I can't sing anyway. Who am I kidding? But I've never, I would always want to do what you did and play Glinda. Was that, were you the same? Did, we, did you ever want to play Elphaba? Was that ever on the horizon? I just didn't want all that green in the pores of my skin. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm obviously Glinda. If I, if I was going to cast me in something, you know, I, I think you've got to play to your strengths and... You know, I, I like you would love to have those big flashy, showy numbers to sing, but but I'm a clown and I I really do get off on making people laugh. So so that's always where I gra gravitate toward. I'm so glad you mentioned being funny because you are hysterically funny, and I think that's one thing that you could put above anything is your <laughs> acting is just hysterical, and that's one thing that you really you really did make a mark on your your performances, Glinda. And that's the one thing I think I remember is apart from this beautiful English accent that you put on, which I couldn't believe that you were Australian afterwards and had this thick Australian accent. I was like, God, how, where did she put that during the show? But the the funnyisms that you brought to that role really were exceptional. Was it an enjoyable process getting to do something that's very different, I imagine, to to what we hear from Kristen on the album? And and you are 
you know, one of the first women after her to get to play it. I know there was a few in the States. Was it an exciting process for you to get to originate, you know, this slightly tweaked new production that Stephen Schwartz has spoken about before and said he's very proud of? Was it fun to get to sort of be the first to explore a, a slightly newer side of Glinda? Thank you. It was my English accent comes from from living in, in the UK for, for half my life. So I, I grew up in um, both Oxford and Sydney and went to school in Oxford, in both primary and secondary school because my, my parents are academics. So they would take us over for sabbaticals on a regular occasion. So my, my accent was, was born of, of years of trying to fit in with the, <laughs> with the, the good burgers of Oxfordshire. Um, but it was, so, I, and also I think, I mean, it was kind of an extraordinary thing, really, that uh, and I'm sure that there were a lot of uh, British actresses at the time who really hated me. You know, here comes this kind of fly in from Australia who nobody's ever heard of and and gets the, the big kind of British musical theatre role of the decade. And um, and I think I w it, it was in my favour, probably, that the Americans didn't know really one person from another so they were coming in from from the states and and for all they knew I was British I don't think they even knew I was Australian when I was auditioning but it was it was really great to be able to reinvent Glinda and, and make her British and kind of figure out what sort of British woman she would be because that you know the decision was taken to to have everybody in British accent except for the wizard and at the time Elphaba when it was Edina and I think now they that the alphabet is British as well. Yeah, because Kerry was British when she did it. So I was, you know, I, I thought, you know, if, what's the sort of equivalent to that um, sorority girl, American type? And I thought probably some sort of Sloan Ranger, you know. So it was, yeah, it was fun to kind of find out who she was and reinvent her. And, you know, even changed a couple of lines here and there. Like instead of fix your hair, I said, well, we should probably say, like, like British people don't say fix your hair, we'd say do your hair. So we changed that just to make it sound authentic for, for a British audience. When I look back on it now with so much time has passed, I, it's kind of quite an amazing thing really that, that, um, that happened to me. When did you first find <laughs> out that you were sort of sharing a stage with the original Green Girl? I was so lucky because uh, Edina is, is just the most wonderful, lovely woman and and she's a real actress, you know. She's a, apart from that incredible voice she's got, she's she's a proper actress. And and because I, I don't really come, or I didn't really come from a, a musical theatre background, I came from a from a straight acting background. And so I approached the role as an actress rather than as a musical theatre performer. And I think she really appreciated that, and she she really wanted to work with me as an actress first. And so we had this great rapport and it, I think it showed, um, the chemistry showed when we, uh, when we were working together on stage. In terms of when you said about the accent, just to step back a question, the album itself is in an American accent and then you've got Adina in an American accent and you're perfecting your British accent. Was it hard not to mimic what she said or was it quite easy to go off into, I guess, a bubble of your own? And, and to do that, because I'm somebody that does pick up accents a lot. I'm quite shocked that I haven't started imitating yours yet. <laughs> well, I, I think I'm imitating yours a little bit, to be honest. When I, because I've, I've spent so much time in the UK, uh, when I speak to my British relatives, I usually slip into uh, a slightly more British accent or, you know, but I, I, I did, um, 
I was fine with her. She's so American. Do you know what I mean? Like she's, <laughs> it was, uh, it was easy to, to be in my own bubble. I like the reference there too. Is there a reason why you didn't continue <laughs> with the role to Australia? Was that ever on the cards? Look, it was, it was on the cards for a bit, but I, I'd never done anything for, for as long as that. So I did that for a year and I'd never done anything for that long before because the, the longest sort of play run I'd done was probably eight weeks and I was exhausted and I, you know, it was so taxing really um, doing that role for that, for that long. Um, and I was ready to do something else. That seems fair. I felt, you know, I can't really top this. I can't really top originating the role in the West End. You forget how exhausting those types of roles are, especially, you know, originating stuff from rehearsals and stuff. So I think that's, I think that's more than fair. Sometimes being completely knackered is a really, really good reason to go. I'm going to leave that memory there. So I for you on that one. You can uh, hear some kookaburras now in the gun, literally in the gum tree out the front. Can you hear that? Just a little bit. Yeah, it's, it's fun. <laughs> About, about this time it's dusk now about this time every night they laugh hysterically for about a minute and sometimes I might take a small bow or just say you know <laughs> thanks very much <laughs> there's just a couple more questions that I wanted to ask you I know that Spring Awakening came to Australia as well and, and I'm right in saying that you were part of that as well yeah um that great production um that 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 started in New York the sort of the revised production um was such a, such a great version of it and we did it yes we did it here and um, the Sydney Theatre Company did it and I got to play the adult women in that which was a hoot you know beautiful music in that show. Were you sort of familiar with the show before you were part of it did you sort of get to feel that hype from when it was in uh, America? Uh, a little bit I, I, I found out more about it once I, I was cast you know it was, it was odd because I, you know that the roles I was I, I didn't sing at all in it there, mm. it, there was no singing for the, those adult roles. But I think that the director wanted to have somebody who came from a musical theatre world um, just to kind of be stylistically in the same place as everybody else. So I, I enjoyed kind of being there for them in, in a, a kind of um, pastoral, nurturing way. The reason why I ask that question is because some of the shows, or in fact most of the shows that you've done have these big followings, you know, they're really established, even new work where they have a core fan base of people. And it's like, you know, talk about a rod for your own back. I mean, you sort of hold yourself to a huge high account by not just yourself, I know, but but fandoms as well. Do you, do you like that interaction that you get with fans? Because I know some people sort of run very much from it. Do you embrace it? Do you like the stage door vibe? Or are you the sort of person that's actually quite private off stage and you sort of like to slip away? Uh, look, I think that as a performer, you have a responsibility to, um, to fans and particularly people who have waited and want to meet you and have a photo or an autograph or whatever. And I always took that um, responsibility very seriously when I was in Wicked and did stage door every, every show, except for matinees because <laughs> I needed to rest between shows. But uh, I was always very happy to do that. I mean, I am private and I don't have a fan page and I, I don't sort of interact with fans online or anything like that. Um, but I'm always happy for a, a photo and an autograph if somebody wants it. I think it's, it's the least I can do. That's lovely. And I think so many people appreciate that and have, you know, a real genuine desire just to say thank you. And I always love, I love when I see people taking pictures. I love when I see people feeling part of theatre. But when you hear the words, thank you, it feels, it feels really wholesome. It feels really nice. 
I agree. I agree. In, in what can sometimes be a, a, a thankless profession, you know, like the, the applause is lovely, but, you know, you work really hard and, and certainly sometimes it's nice to actually hear that, that what you've done has had an impact on someone and a, a positive impact. There are so many other roles in your career. I mean, your CV is incredibly impressive and there are lots of other things that I know people will want to ask you questions for. And we might need to leave that for another day. But my sort of final question for you and actually probably the most important one of this entire conversation I know that you've been here a few times so my plea with one of a better phrase to you is please will you come back to the West End when time allows will you come back (laughs) oh look I would love to and um you know I have a a son now he's about to turn 10 (laughs) can you believe it and uh so I share custody with with his dad so it makes it hard to move back um his dad and I pretty much need to stay in the same country now um but, you know, I will always come back should the right role come up for, for a role. And I, I, I did that for Into the Woods and, and a couple of shows. But, you know, you really need to be there to, you know, to be seen by people and audition. And, but I, if somebody wants to cast me in a show, I, I will be very happy as soon as we're allowed to fly to, to come over and do one for sure. I feel like your son for his 18th birthday is going to be getting a one-way plane tr- uh, ticket with you to the West End. <laughs> this is our new home and he's got some shows to be doing. <laughs> yes, you could well be right. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good parenting. So I'm going to encourage that behaviour. So Helen Dallimore, please do that. Yeah. But just to say thank All you right. so much, just to say thank you so much for doing this. It's a real pleasure and, and it seems sort of slightly disingenuous to keep saying it, but I am a real great big fan of yours. And it's a real sort of pleasure to get the opportunity to go through some of the fantastic, fantastic performances that, that you've been lucky enough to deliver to us. So thank you so much for that and for your time today. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Enjoy the rest of your evening and the lovely songbirds that you've got around you. Most importantly, please stay safe and I look forward to seeing you yes. in the hopeful not so distant future. Yes, stay safe yourself and uh, we'll see each other on the other side. You've been listening to Eleven, the official theatre podcast. Find out more about Eleven at elevenpodcast.com or via our official social channels. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.